ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. We are so fortunate. This is part of our Back by Popular Demand series, and we have with us today the author of Tell Me More, Michael Sherlock. Michael, welcome. Thank you. It is so good to be back. I'm really excited to be here again. Well, I am really happy to have you back because you were such a fun interview the first time. (laughs) And, you know, one of the things that I love about this show is just how deeply we actually get to know our authors, because it isn't just about the book, it's about you. And for those who thought Michael, you know, was going to be this deep voiced thing, right? Hello. (laughs) Yes. I know you always are asked this question. So tell us the story behind your name. Yes, I was, uh, and people always say, oh, your parents wanted a boy, and I say, no, they wanted me, <laughs> and uh, and they actually picked me because I was adopted, but when I was, uh, when my family got me, they knew they had to change my name, and we had a friend of the family who, his name was Michael, and he always wanted one of the Sherlock kids to be named after them, and except for one of my brothers, whose middle name is Michael, none of them are named Michael, There's, mm. I'm the last of six kids. And they said, you know what, we like, yeah, we're finally going to name one Michael. It's our last one. We're going to name her Michael. (laughs) He was very upset. He didn't think that was appropriate for a little girl. But it's been one of the best joys of my life because it's an instant conversation starter. It always keeps people a little, you know, off guard in a good way. Right. And it usually ends with a laugh. So it's I, for me, it's just been, it's just been fabulous. I was a little embarrassed when I was a child about it for a while. And then just something I embraced. And I, I, it's been one of, like I said, it's, it's just been such a, a fabulous addition to my life. Well, you know, it's funny because I, my story is very similar, although I, I am not adopted, but my name uh, was a, a song that my mother sang to me. My mom was a music teacher. And so when she had me, I was the third of three girls Um, when they came in to ask her what my name was going to be, she hadn't really thought it through. (laughs) And, you know, I guess the third one you don't, right? I only have two, Mm -hmm. so I don't know about that. But she had used up (laughs) all four of her favorite girls' names on my older sisters, right? So (laughs) Kathleen Ann and Elizabeth Christine. And my Dad had had a younger sister, and he there were just a, a lot of tragedy in his childhood. His two brothers were drowned, uh, you know, in the river that they lived on, and and his baby sister died when she was uh, just not even a toddler. And so my mother oh, wow. decided to meet to name me after her, right? <laughs> I don't know that that's such a great idea. And especially because her name, her name was Dorothy. And so here I end up being called Dorothy. And, and of course there's the, and kids are really cruel. So there's the invariable, you know, Dorothy, where's Toto. Right. And oh, I yes. just, I hated the name, but I never got called that by my friends and family. I was always called mm-hmm. Chicky. And, and again, it was from a song my mom sang to me. And by the time I was 17, I had it legally changed to Chicky. And I have never, oh. <laughs> never, ever regretted it because like you, it catches people off guard. It's like, well, is that your real mm-hmm. name? Or like, especially with older 
uh, older men, they're like, well, can I call you chicky? And it's like, well, yeah, everyone does. <laughs> or, or my favorite is I tell people if the IRS believes that you have to, right? And so recently I was on the phone with the IRS and, and, you know, she was asking me, you know, is this my, my real name? And I, and I told her the story of how I always say if the IRS believes that you have to. So <laughs> anyway, so here, here we are. I love that story. And I had forgotten that you were adopted or, or maybe you didn't yeah. tell that as part of the story last time. Cause I've got my, my youngest is an 18 year old son who we adopted from Russia when he was three. And you did, we did, we did discuss that. It was a great, yeah. it was a great story. Yeah. And it, you know, and it's funny because we, we went through that. Okay. We're going to change your name to, to Sean, Sergey Fitzgerald, mm -hmm. right? We were going to keep Sergey as his middle name. We got him home and there was no way we could call him Sean. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I think we are eventually going to change his name. He's 18 now. So, you know, if he'd like to do that, we'll support him because he's now wanting to put the Petrovich Nikolaychuk back, back in there, which was oh. his middle name and last name uh, in, in Russian. So anyway, names are a funny thing. That's fabulous. Well, Michael, and, and they're very important. <laughs> yes, yes, they absolutely are. Michael, the, the book that we're talking about actually was originally published some time ago. Tell us that story and why you've decided to do a second edition. And then uh, later on, we'll talk about, you know, kind of what's coming next. You got it. Well, it, you know, it was fun. Um, it was a true labor of love. So when I first published Tell Me More, it was uh, two years ago, two years ago, the beginning of August. So it's almost been two full years, but three years ago is when, you know, I really sat down and wrote it. And I'd always wanted to write a book on leadership. I had managed, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people. And I knew I had a story within me in terms of how I led people and tried to get the most out of them. And it came very easily to write it down, but you know, to to anyone who's written their first book, you know, you you and I were visiting before we started taping about you know how you can you can look at it a hundred thousand times and have all these other people review it, and there's still three typos in it, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, Don't you hate but that? <laughs> oh, and being an English major, it makes me crazy. But what I really found is that when I I went back to start reading it again and I, I love, I wrote my book like a novel. So uh -huh. I have characters, they, you know, their personality shines. Some are a little bit of me, some are other people that have worked for me, you know, but they're all conglomerations. And in the last year and a half or last 20 months, when I just went on the journey to, from, you know, working in corporate America to running my own company and speaking and writing, and I started writing this blog post every day, Monday through Friday. And I realized that, uh, you know, my writing was changing and evolving, especially since the first place that I posted every day is on LinkedIn. And your, um, your posts have to be held within 1300 characters. So, you know, I'd always been a writer, I'd always had an ease of writing, but all of a sudden being forced to tell a story five days a week in 1300 characters or less made my thought process sharper. You know, it helped me to, you know, to really, you know, dig in and, and decide what's important to say. And I had been in the process of writing my second book, which will be out a little bit later this fall. And I was really intending to, you know, write and, and um, publish that one next and then maybe do a second edition of my first book. When I sat down and I looked strategically at my first book and I thought, I can tell how much better my writing is now. I can tell, you know, how I need to tighten my message. 
um, I need to make this story more compact. And so I, you know, I started working through the process with a really great publisher and, and they're like, you know what, we need to, you know, add a subtitle, you know, so people understand it's a book about leadership and, you know, we need to talk about a different cover and a different look. And I went, this is, this is what's right. So now um, in just a few weeks, so the very end of September, I'll be releasing the second edition of Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, which mm. I think makes so much more sense to me. It's really my story. Um, but now it feels like this is the right thing to do in advance of my second book and mostly because my characters follow through. So it's it's going to be a good lead in to tie the first two books at least together. Oh, and you know, it's so funny that you, and it sounds like it's kind of allegorical business style, you know, mm -hmm. of, of a, yes. a, a business uh, story, right? Which is exactly what mm -hmm. I just did, right? My book, mm -hmm. uh, The Game Changer, came out in January, and it's an allegorical business novel about a travel technology company in Tampa, Florida, who ends up mm -hmm. uh, having to raise money because they can't get all the way where, you know, that they need to get to right without mm -hmm. that capital and then then kind of the angst and and the pain of what happens when that company comes in and tries to use the same methodologies that you use in New York right in Florida mm -hmm. uh, to turn around <laughs> the company and it the yeah. book actually starts with people uh, you know in this horrible session that is led by somebody who's dressed in a Briani suit, right? And and here it is, Tampa, <laughs> Florida, where everybody's in, you know, flowered shirts and, and shorts. Mm -hmm. And yeah. and uh, they all leave the meeting and they listen to one of my real radio shows without each one of them knowing that they're doing the same thing at the same time. So I've done the same thing where my characters are mm -hmm. a little bit me, a little bit people I've met. Some is aspirational, some is historical, mm -hmm. right? I, I've included mm -hmm. the, the Forrest Gump style of, you know, having real events like Watergate, right? Play into the book. And anyway, mm -hmm. it was great fun. So what a great genre. And I'm so glad to hear that the characters are, are going to make it to the next one. So, <laughs> um, so let's just talk a little bit about it. And I know when I asked you about the, the table of contents of the book, which is always a, it's one of the first things I do. Like if I go to the bookstore or I go to uh, a library, uh, I always go straight to the business section and uh, mm -hmm. I let the covers speak to me. So your your publisher is very wise in paying attention <laughs> to the cover because that's the first filter for me. If I love the cover, mm -hmm. I'll look at the book. If if the cover doesn't grab me, uh, I just don't go there, right? But then the second I thing agree. I do is I look at the table of contents. And, and you know, even if it isn't, topical like like yours is not topical but it is so intriguing so let's talk about the first <laughs> chapter title which is the busier the better and i have had one of the busiest weeks of my life i'm a i'm a serial entrepreneur i'm on my second startup uh, I decided to restart my radio show, which had been on hiatus for a long time. I'm actually adding another one called Uncommon Giving about companies, you know, that make giving a part of their company culture. So I'm not sure that this week I think the busier <laughs> is the better, but but tell me why. Well, and it's it's just to what you're saying. I mean, as you're talking, I'm laughing because I'm thinking of myself and and uh, I recently came back from a conference in the speaking industry and 
came back with this entire plan of, you know, really kind of next evolution of my business and my company and all these funnels. And, and I have been diligently following them, trying to put them all in place so that they <laughs> organize, trying to be smarter than, right, you know, the right. version of me that exists in this book. So in the busier, the better you get introduced to um, the, the primary main character of this book. And her name is Maria Sanchez. And she is, you know, on her way up to be a CEO of a company. She's had, a, you know, a vast background. She's at a conference, a major conference in Philadelphia, strangely enough, which is where I live, which is actually <laughs> where I was when I got the inspiration to write this in the parable right. format. Um, but, she, you know, she goes in, she's volunteering for this conference, and her her responsibilities of that day are to basically be the speaker handler for two of the speakers. And she has a little while, but the whole purpose is she can't even focus on the opening session and listening to things because her phone is buzzing emails are coming through, you know, people are texting and she, you know, has this moment of, you know, I can't even get out of the office for a day. Right. And, you know, her story is my story. Her story is so many of our stories that so many times, you know, as leaders, especially the more we take on, the more we build up that we, we become the people that fix everything, you know, that we're good at that. That's usually why a lot of people like us, you know, excel is we get things done. We fix them, you know, we right. solve problems. But the highlight of this first chapter is to really show that, you know, she can't concentrate on where she is because she's so busy trying to take care of everything else. And that seemed like a good idea. And the second chapter starts to, uh, you know, raise her awareness of that. Wow. Wow. That, that's a great story. And, and you know, again, I think we all have, have lived some version of that. So, oh, amen. Uh, so, you know, I, I am assuming that there is a, a, a moral of the story that, that emerges that we're going to hear later. But, but <laughs> talk to me about this, this whole thing of tell me more, because I know that this, I remember from our first interview, that this is just such a great tool. And I remember telling you that I thought it was going to be a great tool to use with my husband and with my, mm -hmm. my 18-year-old <laughs> son and my 20-year-old daughter, right? Mm -hmm. to, to actually get to the heart of the matter because we get so used, especially with kids, of saying, well, how was school today? Well, you know, I learned yeah. you don't ever ask that question. You ask, tell, <laughs> tell me your high point and your low point. Yes. Right. And if they had a great day, they'd say, well, there were no low, low points. Um, yeah. So how did Tell Me More emerge and, and how does it play into the story? Well, so it's very funny because, you know, from my personal perspective, it, it, I didn't even realize that I was implementing this strategy myself until one of my employees about four or five years ago just looked at me and said, why do you keep saying that? And I said, what? And she said, why do you keep saying, tell me more? <laughs> and I, and I, I realized, I mean, I knew I was trying to make a change in my own leadership style, but I didn't realize what I was doing until, you know, somebody else pointed out to me. And I like to tell that story first, because as I go into the second chapter of the book, it's really about when Maria meets the speaker of the day and, and, you know, the, the speaker is, you know, Jane Smith and she's, you know, got funny color hair and she wears crazy shoes. So everybody's always laughing and saying, you know, you must be Jane. I'm like, yes, I'm a little Jane. I'm a little Maria. I'm a little of <laughs> most of these people. But, you know, Maria, while she listens to Jane, sees, you know, about, you know, how many of you are 
trying to do everything? How many of you are trying to fix everything? How many are you as doers? How many people come to you because you have the answers? And so as the people in the room are responding to the speaker, Maria's really, you know, being reflective of, oh my God, that's what I'm, you know, that's what I'm doing myself. And so the concept of tell me more, um, because I, I reached that breaking point myself, you know, where I realized I was trying to fix every problem for every person. And at the time that, you know, I really was trying to make a change, I had 30 some managers reporting to me in the midst of huge, massive organizational change and, you know, emotional upheaval for the people that were working for me. And I, I was trying to fix things and I, I was losing my mind. So what I really did is I stopped and said, okay, I, I need to look at this differently and I need to empower my team to be able to do things better on their own so that all I have to do is be a sounding board when they really hit a roadblock or when they really need, you know, something or they need some, you know, a pat on the back or something. So basically the concept behind tell me more, I, I describe it in three ways. One is listen, learn, and lead. That's that's one element. And what that means to me is to be able to fully engage on the listening component. You fully engage with active listening, both with your eyes and your ears. So when you somebody comes to you with a problem or a challenge or, Michael, I've got to fix this, you stop and say, tell me more. And you just simply ask that question over and over again while you're listening to the answer because <laughs> you actually have to listen. And you let the person, in essence, I, I hate to say it this way, but it's often how I say it. It's almost like vomit out all the details, you know? It's right. like let everything out because so many times when people are at those moments, they've got so much emotional upheaval involved in that that they don't know how to get it all out. So the more you just say, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more, they will, in essence, give you all the pieces to the puzzle, but right. they don't always make sense. And so, you know, when you take that, it's, I, I put it akin to like an overstuffed suitcase. You know, have you ever stuffed a suitcase so full that you had to sit on it to try and zip it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's that sense of, you know, if you've, if you've done that, you might actually get it zipped, but your zipper might bust and you don't want that to happen while you're carrying it on an airplane or through an airport, you know, or you just can't get it closed. So, you know, by listening you really should be listening, seeing all those puzzle pieces or all the pieces and unpack them, unpack them from that cluttered stuffed suitcase and, and really now start to look at them. Because if your suitcase is too full, you have to make some decisions, you know, you either get a bigger suitcase, you leave some things right. home, you, know, you uh, just take some stuff out, you know, or you repack, you know, there's been times I've been able to repack a suitcase and get it all in there. But the first time, it didn't work. So what's the difference? So right. the final component is, is lead. And then, you know, when you get and in, in this chapter, tell me more, you know, it's describing this sense of actively listen, unpack the issue, and then use that information to facilitate a solution. But you're not always driving the solution. So if you have people that, that work with you, or people in your lives, then once they've seen all the pieces out, then simply say, you know, Chicky, now that you've given me this entire issue that, that's challenging to you, what do you think you should do? Right. And right. Give, <laughs> give you the ability to think systematically and strategically, but also to give you some empowerment. Because nine times out of ten, you're probably going to have an answer that's reasonably correct. Right. And if, 
If it's not, then I can help you. But if it is, what better empowerment is that for you to say, well, I need to do X, Y, Z, and me say, absolutely. I think that's perfect. Go implement that. Let's talk about what happens. Wow. So that's the concept is pull it together to listen, learn, and then lead people, but help them to lead themselves. You know, I remember from the first discussion with you about this, uh, really saying to myself, right, that that I was going to change. And and I'm embarrassed mm-hmm. to say uh, <laughs> that that I, I haven't yet deployed that. Right. And and mm-hmm. I, maybe this is why God the whole reason God had you rewrite this book was just for Chickie Fitzgerald. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, and my team is now going to thank you because one of the things that happens, particularly with a strong entrepreneur like myself, who is both the inventor of the technology, the one with all the answers, right? I mean, mm-hmm. clearly God gave me that ability, <laughs> right? But, yeah. but here, here's the problem. And I just had this discussion. I was, I'm interviewing potential board members and I was, I was talking uh, to one of the, the leading candidates this morning. And I told her that, you know, it, it is both a blessing and a curse to have thought through everything so thoroughly about my business. I have had so much time to think about this because it's actually an outgrowth of my first um, entrepreneurial venture, which was a spectacular failure, right? Uh, <laughs> on on every level. I mean, we put in a, a million dollars of our own resources. I raised 7 million from uh, an outside investor or 6 million, lost all of his money, lost all of my money, eventually, oh eventually lost our house. I mean, you know, just oh my. like everything that could go wrong did go wrong. So this one, you know, I've tried to do differently, but because of that, I've taken a lot longer to get to the place where I am going to raise some external capital. And it's only at that time that you can really afford to hire people. And, and, but I've had a team working Mm -hmm. with me for the last 18 months. And, and so, so much of the time I'm having to do the bulk of the work because they still have day jobs or they still have a project that, you know, keeps them busy. And, uh, you know, so I notice, and and we've been using Uber Conference. And by the way, this is like one of the best things for people who uh, manage remotely, not because mm-hmm. it's great technology, but because at the end of the call, it sends you a note back saying who talked how much time on each call. Oh. And I oh. can actually measure, and I need, I, uh, so now I need to implement this with myself of starting with next week's team call, mm-hmm. I am not going to be the majority of the minutes that are recounted, right? Mm-hmm. So That's really, it's, it's great awareness. And, and it's, it's really, that's very telling. I'm really impressed with you, you know, sharing that because that it's like with anything, it's like, you know, acknowledging it is the first step to recover. Oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hi, my name is Chicky, and I don't listen. <laughs> and I talk too much. <laughs> and exactly. I always have the right answers. Exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I, I suffer from it, too. There's times when my husband's like, he goes, I, I, we are, you know, having lots of discussions about where my son is, is his, in his life. He's 27. And my husband just like went downstairs. We were talking the other day. He comes back up. I go, what did you do? And he just holds a copy of my book in front of me. <laughs> he said, 
uh, remember this? I go, oh yeah, I need to ask my son more questions instead of tell him <laughs> what he needs to do. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> I'm getting <funny>. better. <laughs> well, I, okay. So I, I uh, have decided that we're going to form Right Answers Anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh gosh. Well, I'm going to have to tell my team about that. That that will uh, hopefully bring a laugh from them. So let let's keep going on on uh, this story that that you have been uh, giving us snippets of. So some of the mm-hmm. other questions, and and you you alluded to this as a part of Tell Me More is, you know, why are we doing this? What do you think we should do, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of giving them. And, and then my favorite, and I remember this uh, from our previous discussion, I-C-U, E-Y-E-S-E-E-Y-O-U. Tell us what's behind that one. <laughs> well, it's a play on many, many different levels. So, um, you know, Maria Sanchez, her company that she is about to assume the role of CEO, she's been there for a few years, and she came on board to transition as the CEO is getting prepared for retirement and she's about ready to make the move. And it's an eye, um, it's an eyeglass and an eyewear optical company. So the company's name is ICU. Uh, so that has, you know, it has that play. However, you dove right to the heart of it. It's also about, do I see you when I'm trying to listen to you? Right. So I'm so pleased you got that because not everybody gets that. Because it's, I always say you have to listen with your eyes as much as your ears. And it's not just about reading people's body language. It's about stopping and looking at them. So many times, so for instance, whenever I am on a conference call, I'm recording a podcast, whatever it is, my phone is turned upside down and off. My email is shut down completely because I don't want messages popping up. Because that keeps me from focusing on the person who I'm engaging with right then. And so it's really about, can you give yourself entirely to somebody who's come to you, especially if they've come to you with a problem? And so as, you know, Maria takes her company through this, because she's basically going to restructure the organization, you know, she's forcing these questions back to them. You know, why why am I doing what we're doing? Why are we doing what we're doing? You know, what do you think should be the next step? And she really talks about, it doesn't mean that she is handing over, you know, decisions about the future of the company to her management team, but she does want them involved and talks a lot about, you know, there's some things that because of my role, I have to decide. And there's right. some things that, you know, this is not a democracy. So there's going to be some things that we're, I'm going to do without talking to you, asking your permission, you might not agree with. However, there are certain things that I do want your feedback on. And I do want you to talk because if we're going to grow as an organization or you're going to grow as managers or I'm going to grow as CEO, we have to be able to dialogue about things and work through problems and challenges together. And that's one thing I see in so many companies is that there's so many people at different levels who feel like they have no voice. So they don't use their voice where it will make a difference. They use their voice complaining to their colleagues or to their spouse, or to the girls mm. on girls' night out. And none of those things change anything fundamentally. And that's where, you know, later I go into, you know, the foundation is poured and, you know, putting people through the ringers and what are the building blocks, because those are pieces of trying to rebuild in a new way, whether it's me individually as a leader, it's me as a department manager, it's me as a company, it's me as a community, you know, us as a community. We have to take those first steps again together, but only after we actually listen to each other. 
Right, right. And, you know, I think one of the reasons why this has happened is this whole uh, popularity about companies not all being in one building and people coming to the office every day. I can tell you mm -hmm. how very, very much I hate managing by conference call. Right. Because <laughs> you don't see body language. You don't know that they're even mm -hmm. paying attention. And one mm -hmm. of the reasons why I end up talking so much on those calls is I will stop and say, does anybody have anything, you know, to contribute? <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And crickets. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolute total silence. And, you know, I, I just am so anxious to have my team all in one place. And, and even if we don't all have to be there, you know, eight hours a day or 12 hours a day or whatever it is, right. Um, <laughs> that, that we will get a chance to actually interact face to face, which is, is so, so important. So uh, one of the chapter titles that I absolutely love, and, and I, you said that you hadn't, hadn't finished formatting uh, your table of contents for the new <laughs> one. So I hope this stays in is the pudding is in the proof. <laughs> I know everybody asks me about that. I love word plays um, because it makes you stop. So usually we say the proof is in the pudding, right? Well, right. I always say the pudding is the proof because it's the flip. It's a little bit of the chicken and the egg. So as Maria herself and her team walk through learning how to do this process of listen, learn, and lead, it really becomes one of those things that you have to trust and then you have to do it. But, you know, you trust with a sense of, okay, I think this is going to work, so I'm going to try it. Then when it works and you go, oh, my gosh, it really worked. Well, that's the proof that it works, but that's also the pudding because your outcome now is that you have a stronger team and you have a stronger company and you have better dialogue. So it really becomes both, and I think it's important that, that we recognize that the outcome can convince us that the process was worth it. But sometimes we say, I'm going to trust the process until I get to the outcome. And they don't always look at it and say, oh, okay, look, you know what? That does prove it. Now, if I had to go back and change anything in the process, what would I do? I would listen more. I would make sure next time I really am good about, um, you know, turning off my, uh, my phone while I'm on a conference call. You know, you're looking at a team to say, okay, you guys, I, I got to be honest. You know, when we get on a conference call, I know I talk a lot. I'm going to work on that. But what I need you to understand is when I say, does anything, anybody have anything to add? Here's what I worry about. I worry that somebody's playing a game. Somebody's chasing after their dog. Right. I'm boring you all to death. You don't understand and don't want to ask. And I don't know because if you don't communicate, I don't know. And my brain can come up with every bad possible scenario possible. So let's help me. How can we as a team have more engagement? And if, and if that means me, I have to shut up more, then I'll do that. But help me to figure out how. Does that mean I give some of you something to say? Do I mean, you know, do I, you know, call on you and say, hey, Bob, I know you were thinking about this because we were talking about the other day. What are your thoughts? You know, does right. it mean I have to give a couple of you, you know, like I'm going to call on you because this example that you had, I want you to share with the group. I don't care, but let's come up with it together so that we get to the point where we get on these calls. They're all effective. I feel good. You feel good. And nobody is creating bad scenarios in their head. I love that. I am absolutely going to do that. Um, and, <laughs> you know, that kind of leads to the next one, which, uh, you know, is, is walking the walk and which, again, is another play on words, of course, uh, because it's mm -hmm. normally walking, walking the talk. Right. Um, <laughs> yep. And 
you know, I, I, I think about myself and, and some people have said to me over the years, oh, you know, you, maybe you shouldn't disclose so much on your radio show. And I say, no, <laughs> no. Like for the people who really want to get to know me, listening to the radio yeah. show is absolutely the best way to do that. Right. Cause you're going to learn something for, from the author, but you're going to learn a lot about me and how I think. And which mm -hmm. is why when anybody is considering working with my company, I give them my book to read because I say, when mm -hmm. you finish this book, you're going to know me. You're going to know my aspirations. You're going to know my fears. Um, you're going to know the behavior that I find abhorrent, right? Because <laughs> it's all in there, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and so what brought about that particular play on words? So it, you, I mean, you hit right on it. So for me, yeah, you can walk the talk, all that, but sometimes you just have to walk the walk first until you find, you know, that it really works. You have to trust in it and that you have to sometimes take steps forward, even though you don't want to, even though you're hesitant, even though you're not sure, you know, where it's going to lead you. And, and I think that that's, it's, you know, we talk a lot about, oh, people don't like change and I don't like change and this and that and the other thing. But, you know, the reason I see that most people make those statements is that they are just afraid. And it's not change that's the fear, it's the unknown. What is this going to be? Because you could show somebody, if we do this, we're going to have this brilliant, wonderful, you know, end result. They don't trust it. They don't know. They don't know that that's what it really means. But sometimes you just have to keep taking steps forward. And there were many times um, in my, especially like the last six years, when I was running two different really large sales organizations through massive, massive change. And I had to say to people, I'm going to tell you what, I just need you to do it. And here's the thing, just, just do it the way it's done for one week, one week, but you have to do it. You can't not do it. You can't like tell me you're going to and screw around. Just do it. And at the <laughs> end of that week, you really don't believe me. Let's sit down and talk about it. And if, if you know, people would go, okay, fine. But the ones that really truly did it would come back and say, okay, I get it. Now, here's the challenge I have. Now, how do I overcome this? And that's what I always wanted is, you know, true, honest discussion is not just saying, here's the rule, follow it. True, honest, forward <laughs> progress is somebody saying, okay, I'll follow it. I'm going to try it. Okay, now I have a thousand questions because here's where it went wrong with me. Here's what I didn't like. Here's where I'm not comfortable. That That's forward progress, no right. matter what you say. Right. And I'll, I'll tell you another quick little story, just real briefly. Is, uh, and I was just telling this on my podcast the other day, too, is I, I remember I had a salesperson and he was so adamant about what we were trying to do. And you're, this is horrible and you're going to make us just a order takers and you know you're a horrible person I've mean, got everything <laughs> and he'd been in the industry for a long time and finally I said now I don't like these conference calls and I don't like these trainings and I know what I'm doing and finally I said okay I, I'll tell you what I said you know what you do really well you have great results I know that what we're doing is going to make you even more successful what's going to put more money in your pocket but be that as it may you're doing great I'll tell you what from now on you are exempt from every conference call, every training, every meeting. You do not have to do one. You don't have to change your sales process. You don't have to do anything. All I ask of in return is that you do not talk badly about what we're doing to your colleagues. So when they say, what are you doing differently? Just say, you know what, Michael and I are trying something different. 
And I said, you've got it. You've got to promise me that you're going to do that. You cannot discourage these other people are going to do right. it. But with that, I will get you out of everything. There is not one thing. And he's like, okay. So he's kind of quiet. And it was funny because it was about two or three weeks later, I noticed I could see his name pop up when we'd have conference calls and, it, you know, <laughs> pop up as an attendee. And, and it, he wouldn't say a thing. He was quiet. You know, and it, finally, you know, I'd see him coming more and more frequently. And probably another couple months after that, he showed up at a meeting. I go, what are you doing here? He goes, oh, I thought I'd see what this is all about. Next thing yeah. you know, he was using the process. He was making a ton more money. I never said I told you so. <laughs> oh, but good for you. Had, he just had to walk the walk until he believed that it was something that was of value to him. Right. Right. Absolutely. So <laughs> you, you alluded to, you know, moving forward is, is uh, the penultimate chapter of the book, but I, I want to just hone in as we kind of bring this to a close to the, to the final chapter, which is coming mm -hmm. full circle. Mm -hmm. So my characters meet back up again a year later. So they're back at the same conference. Uh, the speaker, Jane Smith, is back there to speak again. She's got her second book, which is a great intro to my second book that's coming out for me. Right. The characters meet again and they talk about it. And um, and it's, it's just fun because Maria is able to share, you know, the successes, although the characters kept in touch through the year. But it was fun because one of the last things that Jane Smith says as she hands her the new book is says, Maria, here's my new book. I finally got it done. It's called, <laughs> she goes, it's called uh, Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. And Jane says to Maria, I know you're going to love it. And Maria says, really? Tell me more. And it's just about <laughs> starting to use things in a, in a different way, but coming full circle from what she learned in a year, but oh. starting a new circle again, because you just continue to go. Well, that gives me goosebumps, Michael. <laughs> I can't wait for sales mixology, because I'll tell you, and I, I don't normally do two, uh, two shows in a day, but uh, because I'm ramping back up and and getting the show back on track i i uh just decided to do two and so i just interviewed a guy uh and he had a or he has a book that is about why you should not jump right to raising money from uh venture capital companies and just mm -hmm. fascinating fascinating but but we were talking about how one of the things that entrepreneurs have to do is they have to sell right and yeah. and my my team will tell you i mean i and i should never say the words out loud but i say it all the time which again i've got to put some tape over my mouth maybe i <laughs> put a roll of duct tape uh next to me so i won't do this is i mean i hate sales and, but mm. without sales, there's no company. There's only a great product, right? And Absolutely. I mean, we have created this amazing product and, and I'm going to have to post on LinkedIn when I post the show, I've got this, this cartoon, which, uh, actually reminds me of Maria, right? And, mm -hmm. uh, our product is called trip proximity and it's all about, uh, how the time of the meeting planner, right, is is mm -hmm. so important. And she's standing in front of a full room of people with the spotlight on her. And she says, <laughs> I was so busy answering your questions about where to stay. I'm afraid I don't have time to, or I didn't have time to book any speakers. 
<laughs> and so, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to put a name tag on her that says Maria. And, and that was a cartoon that I, I actually commissioned with uh, the marketoonist, which if you haven't ever seen his stuff, he's brilliant. Um, but anyway, you know, sales is so important and I just can't wait. So tell me the timing again or tell our audience. I think I know the timing, but when is sales mixology going to be out? So right now I've been anticipating it about six weeks after the relaunch of uh, Tell Me More. So, but you know, like we were discussing earlier, it, it depends on a couple things. Number one is I'm actually contemplating um, getting an app started. There's an app that in my book I, I describe in detail. I don't know why, it was just part of the story. And some uh, people who've been reading it have said, well, when's the app gonna be available? And I, so <laughs> I'm talking to a couple of people about that because that may change it. Um, so well, the very least will be after the holiday. Talk to me. Okay. Talk to me. okay. Well, <laughs> then we, we need to discuss this then. I, ha the I have a technology thing. startup, so. Well, there you go. I know, actually, I was going to ask you about that later. So <laughs> sounds good. But, you know, just to give a, a quick, you know, commercial to this, Sales Mixology follows Jane Smith right after she leaves the conference at the beginning of the first book. So when while Maria's right. going through her year of change, uh, Jane will start a different kind of year of change where she has this amazing experience um, at a cocktail lounge. And that really leads her to realize that not only some of the tell me more principles can be used in a different sales process, but, you know, she pulls it through um, what I call my blend concept. And so it's fun because it's all in the backdrop of, uh, of cocktails. I have a really unique launch plan for the book in terms of um, I'm not doing anything in bookstores. They're all going to be done in cocktail lounges. <laughs> oh, how fun. How fun. Well, hey, we, we need to wrap up. So will you tell our audience how they can best learn more about you and your speaking and, and uh, the kinds of things that you do in your day job? Absolutely. So um, my company is called Shock Your Potential. And uh, so I'm a, a writer, I'm a speaker, I'm a trainer. So I, I do a number of different things. So most people hire me to speak to their groups and their companies. Um, but my books are all part of that. I also have a podcast called Shock Your Potential Podcast. So you can find, find me at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. Cool. Cool. Well, Michael, it has been a fun ride today. Thank you so much for spending your Friday. And, and we it do need to been. connect on the technology front. We'll do that offline. But have a great weekend. And again, thank you so much for coming back and telling us more. <laughs> We've oh, been talking. Thank you, Chicky. We've been talking about the book, Tell Me More, uh, which will be out shortly in its second edition. And also, Michael gave us a little insight into her next book, Sales Mixology. If you have not read uh, business allegories and, and these business parables, you are going to fall in love with the genre. <laughs> and if you happen to want to read The Game Changer, it's available on Amazon, too. So thanks so much for listening. Go out and came change your game today maybe by listening a little bit more so thanks michael have a great day thank you you've been listening to the game changer ideas inspiration innovation with chickie fitzgerald mm -hmm.